the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Helping you find pleasure in God. Next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. So is God a duty or a delight? How you answer that question determines the kind of pleasure you have in this life and finding pleasure in God. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We're continuing with our series simply called Finding Pleasure in God. Today, back in Psalm 37, verses 3 and 4, understanding that if we call our Lord a delight, that helps focus our pleasures in this life. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with more. We easily have these fires of the heart go out because we live with this incessant downward pull called sin. That's always taking us away from the flame. That's always taking us away from the fountain. And we try a little over here and we try a little there and we come back thirsty. We come back beaten. We come back feeling ashamed. Says, I want to get back to the fountain. My own cisterns don't quench my thirst. No, they won't. God is determined they won't, especially if you're God's child. Edward Carnell tells the story of serving God in our ethics, and he gives this story. Suppose a husband asks his wife if he must kiss her goodnight. Her answer is, you must, but not that kind of must. What she means is this, unless a spontaneous affection for my person motivates you, your overtures are stripped of all moral value. It's this way. Carol and I try to kiss each other goodnight every night, you know. But I got to do it before 9.30 or I'm a coma. I just say, sometimes we just do it by faith. I don't even know what I kiss. Maybe it was the pillow, but goodnight. But if I did this, let me do it by voice. Honey, I must kiss you. Wait, wait, that wasn't good. I must kiss you. Now, what, what would that sound like if you're on the other side? You must. Rather, if I said this, I must kiss you, baby. There's two different kind of musts there, aren't there? I must kiss you. Peck. The other one, baby, I must. You know what I must means. I really must. And there's people this way. Well, I guess I must kiss God. Yes, because that's your duty. You're a Christian. But you know why your kids don't want your Christianity? They know God isn't your delight. He's only your duty. He's become too heavy. It's hard. You know, those guys expect you to show up at Nine o'clock to go to church on Sunday. Man, must we do that? No, no. We don't have to do it. We can go into your world. 
live for pleasure, money, and self, and say, God has nothing to do with my existence. We can pretend like God doesn't have a people that find their greatest pleasure in Him. I love what it says. Listen to these verses. Serve the Lord with gladness. Psalms 102. Serve God with exceeding joy. Psalms 43, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. Psalms 37, 4. Satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness that we might be glad all of our days. Psalms 90, 14. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16, 11. Rejoice always, I say, and again I say rejoice. Philippians 4, 4. 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice forevermore. Keep rejoicing. What do you mean, joy? Joy? I'm a Christian. That ought to depress anybody. Ah. Let me tell you something about praise that I learned from C.S. Lewis. He has written a fabulous little book on reflections on Psalms. One chapter on praise is magnificent. My, it's beautiful. He said this about praise. He said when he first got saved, and he's reading the Psalms, and he always heard this, praise the Lord, and you ought to praise the Lord, and we ought to this. He said, you know, God must really have low self-esteem to ask for so much praise. Sound like an egomaniac. He really was insulted by it. Why does God want all this praise? Praising, praising, praise. If you let me live, I'll praise you. If you let me live, I'll praise He said, Wow. If a human being went around that, we'd say, they've got self-esteem problems. And they crave praise. And he was concerned about it. And he writes this little paragraph I want to give you. And he said he finally discovered something about praise. We praise what we enjoy. We praise what we prize. Here's the paragraph. The most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. I had never noticed that of all the enjoyment that we have, there is a spontaneous overflow into praise. Lovers praise their girlfriend, boyfriend. Readers praise their favorite poet. Walkers praise the countryside. My whole more general difficulty about the praise of God depended on my absurdly denying to us as regards the supremely valuable what we delight to do, what indeed we cannot help doing about everything else we value. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It goes this way. God not only wants to be great, he wants someone to tell other people he's great. God is not just magnificent. He knows that about himself. He doesn't need that from you, but it completes it when you get it. Now, let me give you an example. I'm going on there. Hazel, David, we get to about T for Texas because our dad could sing that in Yodel, like Jimmy Rogers and those old country guys. 
uh, in my family, I've often told you, the Meeks were not the music people, the Howards were. But I'm this way to this day. And my friends, my family, Frank Griffith, uh, Steve, they all, Ted, they, they know if they come to the house, sometimes they're there 30 minutes, I'm going to be thrown on an album. You got to hear this. They all kid me about it. Says, oh man, we know within 30 minutes he's going to play something. Uh, Ron Hughes and I do that because he likes all that country, bluegrass stuff. He's Tennessee boy. And Ricky Skaggs. And, but, but you know, it's this way. I'll do this sometimes with someone. I say, I'm throwing it on. And when they're playing, and if I look over and you're, are you done? Am I done? You idiot. Didn't you hear it? <laughs> Did, didn't you get it? Did you hear that chord? Did you hear that minor? Did you hear what that boy just did? No, I didn't. I know you're a dumb cluck about music. I won't share one more album with you. I mean it. I only share it with folks that get it. You other folks, we just leave you with the rocks. Carolyn says her response is too loud. <laughs> Honey, you didn't get it. My, me and the girls really drove her batty when they were home. Because we would listen to music all the time. And one would have this kind. Look, uh, you, you know what it is? Man, you got to hear this boy pick. This guy's good. It's not good enough that he's good. What's really good is to tell other people he's good. Now, that's praise. I praise what's good. I praise what. Man, you got to go to this restaurant. It is it's better than the greasy spoon. This place is good. You, and you start telling your friends about a restaurant. Or, or just to think of this, uh, wait, wait, we heard you're engaged. No, I haven't told anybody. What, when you get married, I don't want anyone to know. Why not? She's that ugly. I, I just don't want anyone to discover. See, no, 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 no. You don't want to pick some gal that doesn't make you look good and say, you got to meet this girl. This girl's got personality. This girl's everything I ever dreamed of. And you start going on. And if you're listening sometime and you've never met her, you're bored to death. Say, come on, shut up. Nobody's that good. But she is to them. Enough, they're going to get married. And this is the idea of praising God that Lewis discovered. He said, it's not complete. There's a great God out there. It's only complete. It's only complete in the whole circle when you say, I get it. He is great, and I can't be quiet about it. He is the fountain of joy. He is the source of the greatest pleasures. That when I come to God, I decide. See, we have something in the church. You only serve God out of gratitude and expect it to be hard. And God says, no, no, no. Come and worship me. And the greatest pleasures you've not yet tasted, you'll find in me. It's hard to sell a God that keeps you miserable. But this God is not miserable. It's his people who half knowing that are miserable. And that's the advertisement he gets. God, do you think one God can fill all the longings of one heart? No one amen because you don't know. You don't believe it. Can one God... Fill up every crevice of my heart so that I can land in heaven saying, I never made a sacrifice serving this God. It's wonderful. I talked to Malcolm. He said, if I could, I would never retire at 65. 
International Union of Missions, they've got a law, you've got to retire at 65. He tells me, don't retire too early, son. Don't retire too early. I want to go as long as I can serving this God. Don't feel sorry for me. I was, saw my wife the other day after VBS. She's going about 12, seeing that Andrea were going. Denise knows the schedule. But she's going, it seemed like 12 hours a day getting ready for the camp, going to the camp. And every night she's falling in about 10 o'clock, helping to lock up, helping to do this. And, and I said, honey, how long can you do this? You want to hang it up? You don't have to work. Is it worth it? As she broke down crying, she said two things. She said, I'm serving this God not for the elders or not for a lousy check. I'm serving this God because I signed up at eight years of age. He's been my refuge all my life. Two, it'd be worth it if I could reach one boy, one girl, with the good news that Jesus loves them. If we can do that, then she started crying. She said, I don't want anyone feeling sorry for you and I. We would sign up a hundred times over. We're not here because it's the best of anything, or and we like the weather. We're here because we find our pleasure in serving God and trying to magnify Him in this area, and that's why we're here. And we're here till He's done. Because we find our pleasure in God, not in geography, not in economics. It's in God. That's where our joy is. Now, I'm going to do something, because I'm going to just crash land. This is not a sermon. This is a lecture. I guess. I don't care. Um, I'm going to pick up next week 14 things that go with this. And it's this way. Let me conclude it for you. Jonathan Edwards, being the genius he was, lived to see the Great Awakening in the uh, New England states. The New England states was rattled with Unitarianism that denies Christ and deism. Benjamin Franklin was a deist. They weren't Christians. Uh, everybody that loves to make us Christian America make them all Christians. They were not. Thomas Jefferson was not a Christian. Benjamin Franklin was not a Christian. Most of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were not Christians. They were deists. And deists were people who said, there is a God, but he wound up the universe like a clock, and then he walked away. So God is not active in history. God doesn't save in history. God doesn't break in. He runs, runs his universe by natural law. And so you get Thomas Locke, and you get all these philosophers just observe natural law. They were all deists. But a boy came over here from Oxford. His name was George Whitfield. And all you blacks should remember George Whitfield. I went to Savannah, Georgia this summer because ever since I read his life story, I wanted to go to Savannah. You know why? George Whitfield is believed to be the first white man on American soil to ever tell a group of black people that they weren't animals but that they had a soul. And they say that the African-Americans were picking cotton in Georgia in the Savannah era. Here he came, dressed like an Englishman, 
and his cutoffs and his buckled shoes, and he stood out in those cotton fields, and he said, you people, Jesus Christ died for you, and he didn't die for donkeys, and he didn't die for monkeys. He died for people and your people. And they, the, the biographer said that the blacks working in the cotton fields in 1700s, their faces were covered with perspiration, covered with dust. They said gutters would just come down their faces. And as Whitfield said, God loved them, and they were not monkeys. They wept, and they came to Christ. And he started a boys' home down there for orphans, for black boys. The orphanage is still going. 250 years after him, the state of Georgia has now taken it, and it's a state home for boys to give them refuge. Well, this Whitfield preached all over New England, and a fire broke out. And Jonathan Edwards was pastoring up in Massachusetts. And they both preached Calvinism, the sovereignty of God, the power of the atonement, efficacious grace, election. My, they were powerhouses. But in the midst of that revival, as all revivals, there were excesses of emotion. Some people were fainting, swooning, a lot of shouting, uh, a lot of stuff that everybody said, this just is an emotional movement. Just an emotional movement. Nothing to it. Jonathan picked up the pen and he wrote the book, Religious Affections. And in that book, he begins to develop the thesis No one has ever been moved upon by God that did not have certain manifest affections happen to them. And he came up with 14. We'll begin to look at them next week. He said, it's not just a matter of the will. The will would be affected. But so would the whole being. His biggest two was love and joy. And the theme verse was 1 Peter 1.8. goes like this. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And though you've suffered much, you have found it to be joy, inexpressible, and full of glory. He said, everyone that's ever come to know God has been affected with waves of divine love coming over them and waves of divine joy. It's only those, he said, that have not been affected that are critical of the affections. And with much of Christianity today, people talk about decisions for Christ. They seldom talk about, I've been affected. I've been overwhelmingly affected. I love like I've never loved before. I got a joy I never could express. It's full of glory. It's inexpressible. I've got a zeal for God that can't keep me away from the church doors. Uh, I've got a hope in God. Fourteen things, verse after verse after verse. He said the great awakening was not just a bunch of emotional wildfire. It affected people and swept them into eternal salvation. My question is, how are you being affected? Where is the joy? I had a Christian talk to me yesterday Where is the joy in the church? And I could have asked him, where is it in you? It's hard to give away a God that's making you miserable. It's why we're no good at evangelism. We're all hung up on whether God's enough for us. But when God becomes your consuming passion and pleasure, 
you become contagious. Christ becomes magnified, magnificent in your body. I feel like a little pocket mirror trying to show off the Milky Way. I wish I was a Hubble telescope, but I'm just a little pocket mirror. But I want to tell you this. We've got the biggest God you could ever imagine. And there's more in Him to satisfy your heart if you would quit drinking out of the muddy waters of this world and run to God. He's the one. We'll pick up the affections next week. Tonight we pick up the unfinished work of Christ. It is absolutely magnificent what we'll look at. Father, bless your people. Help us to repent that we've turned you into something like an idol that cannot satisfy. It's because we're backslidden. It's because we're drunk, drinking muddy water. We're drinking from our own cisterns, our own security, ourselves. And we've abandoned the living fountain. If there's anyone here today sick and tired of the muddy water of their life and their miserable because it doesn't quench the thirst of their soul. Would you open their eyes to see that there's been a fountain open in the house of David for sin and uncleanness? And through Emmanuel's crucifixion and through his death, he's opened a fountain. And he said in Isaiah 55, Ho, everyone that's a thirst, he that has no money, let him come and drink. And I shall quench his thirst forever and ever and ever. Oh, Father, put the gladness back in us. Put the joy back in us. Every one of us that have made you a duty and have given up the delight, we've turned you into, uh, you're the hardest thing in our life. Oh, deliver us from our insane sin and idolatry. We've given up our glory. Our God is our glory. Please, while we have breath, cancer has been hitting many of our people of late, different diseases, different lives are hanging on a thread. So as long as you lend us breath and lend us another hour, at least let our children see that you are our greatest pleasure. That in our God is our ultimate delight. We thirst not for any of the wells of this world. For we have found everything in Jesus a poor heart can contain. Bring us back tonight because we want to. Bring us back. Put back in our heart the pleasure of meeting with your people to praise your name. I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. For I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. May you become our greatest joy because there's none greater than you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Studying God's Word that we might grow in grace, that we might be encouraged in our walk and relationship with Him. 
You're listening to Truth For Today and Pastor Phil Howard. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us this morning. It's our prayer that our time together has done just that, encouraged you in your relationship with Christ, bolstered you up for the day. If you would like to review today's broadcast, copies are available when you contact us. We also have the series today's message was taken from, other resource materials available as well, the recent books authored by our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. They can all be found at our website, valleybible.org. A lot of resource materials available there, other CDs and series as taught by Pastor Phil Howard recently here at Valley Bible Church. Again, they're all found at our store online, valleybible.org. If you wish to speak with someone directly, call during business hours, Monday through Friday, 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or write to us. 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you'd like to know where we meet for worship, service times, directions, location, it can all be found at our website, valleybible.org, and we would love to see you. Please consider this a formal invitation to join us for worship if you're not involved in a church near you. Again, directions can be found at valleybible.org or by calling 855-833-9864. And again, we mention it from time to time, it bears repeating, as TFT sustainers, financial partners with the radio broadcast, you ensure the continuation of this broadcast here on KFAX. Would you prayerfully consider how you might partner with us financially and then call us? Let us know that you're interested in becoming a TFT sustainer. We'll pass along our quarterly newsletter to you, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil. The weekly video devotional will be available as well. Again, valleybible.org for more information or call 855-833-9864. No gift is too large or too small. We'd love to hear from you. Call us today and then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard 